that you can't carry A distant lost memory You like to forget Wish Wish on a brighter star One that you hold my fall Into your Nonstop Rock Talk with Tyson Bryden. Welcome to Nonstop Rock Talk. This is your host, Tyson Bryden. Today, I'm very happy to welcome Mark Knight. It was just released his latest album with Mark Knight and the Unsung Heroes entitled Day of a Dreamer. Of course, Mark is also known for playing with Bang Tango. Mark, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for thanks for being here. And yeah, I mean, I know we talked a couple months ago, and and you're saying, okay, the new album's coming out. Let's do it then. And which was cool, yeah, so. yeah, we pushed this off a while because I remember speaking to you, uh, I don't know, a month ago or so, and I just wanted to get the record out before uh, actually talking to people about it. So you yeah. got a chance to hear it, yeah. Yeah, and it seems it seems as though uh, the reviews and whatnot of people talking about it that it's been. People are really digging it, I think. It, it feels good. Yeah, it feels that way. Um, really great. You know, it's been received really well, actually. I'm really excited. Uh, you know, it's it's so tough to put a record out without a label or all the promotion. I'm, it's just basically like grassroots, me doing it alone with my wife and our own label. So um, it's, it's, you know, me being on the computer every day, talking to people and, getting the buzz out and it's um yeah it's getting good reviews really cool That's at least cool. from the fans <laughs> pardon me at least from the fans you know yeah no yeah. no that's cool i um i tried i tried to order it yesterday on your website yeah and it wasn't a problem until the shipping came up to canada and i was like it was i was just like really so yeah so then i went on amazon and it was on there but right. I think it's actually cheaper to buy it through you than it was for Amazon because it was like yeah. shipping out of country is so ridiculous. I know uh, right now. Yeah, that, it's like a problem with other people too. They're like, "Hey, it's like four times the amount of the CD." I'm like, "We don't make the shipping price." Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. And I mean, there's I, I, unfortunately you can't get around it, right? Yeah. But uh, oh, it's all cool. I mean, I, I'm sure I'm going to end up ordering it anyways. Great. That'd be awesome. Thanks. Yeah, so, so, I mean, going into this album, um, kind of what was your mindset? My mindset going into this album is, I mean, there was no, like, stated, like, mindset. I just, I always am a writing. Um, and basically... I'd gathered another batch of songs together after uh, Road Sick Eyes, my last record. And I was basically just, uh, you know, okay, how am I going to approach recording these songs again and make it even better sound-wise, better musicianship-wise, and just uh, better crafting of the songs, better everything. I just try to improve it. So there's no mindset. It's just basically, yeah, I'm writing another record. 
because I collected the songs. It's just it's like a natural thing. I don't like sit down and go, okay, I'm going to write this record that's going to sound like this. You know, I just kind of uh, continually write as a you know songwriter. So it's kind of what I do. And um, once I feel that I've got a good collection of songs, then next step is demoing them and then finding the players and you know production and recording them. Yeah. So now, now obviously this isn't the first release of uh, Mark Knight and the Unsung Heroes. How many albums have you done with that project so far? Um, so post Bang Tango, I did uh, a couple different records with different bands. I kind of put together. Um, Worry Beads was kind of my first band outside of Bang Tango. I did it. We did a, a couple records with them. I mean, I basically wrote all the stuff. It's kind of the same format, but. Um, it was a band title, a band name. And then after that, I did Gravy. I put a record out with a band called Gravy, uh, Bones. Um, and then I put a solo record together with uh, Matt Apps from Government Mule, the drummer. We kind of, oh, cool. him and Tony Marcico, a uh, great bass player, he helped me kind of like put together this, uh, this little EP, my first solo kind of effort. And that was called uh, Perfect American Family. It was only six songs. And I put that out kind of, um, and then we went back and did another full length record called, uh, own rail tight. And, uh, with those kind of guys and other, other people I brought in. And then I decided after bone rail tight, I did some touring on that. Uh, that was just Mark Knight, bone rail tight. Then, um, I wanted to put a band together kind of, to kind of like solidify kind of a band vibe. So I put the unsung heroes together and we did road sick eyes. Cool. And then after that, uh, I went back to doing a solo kind of acoustic, broken down, intimate record, just titled Mark Knight. Um, put that out and then went back to the band format and did Mark Knight and the Unsung Heroes with Don't Kill the Cat. And um, here we are with Days of a Dreamer. So that's kind of the, the breakdown of my, my projects. I was, I was actually checking out that gravy stuff the other day. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. that's yeah, like weird. Well, because I caught, I, I kind of caught one of the interviews you did. I can't remember who it was with, so I, I just kind of clicked on it, and you were talking about gravy. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check this out, and that was very cool. Thanks. Yeah, it's kind of a, kind of funky, kind of disco yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I like that. It was a different cool. group, but that was a solid group of guys. We we basically went out and played like for like seventy or eighty gigs in, in the local area. We worked hard, that same guy, that same group of five guys. And a couple of the guys ended up playing with me in Un Unsung Heroes and uh, different projects throughout the years. Right on. So, so, I mean, on this album, who is, who is playing on the album besides yourself? So, uh, Edward Chansky, the drummer, basically, he was in Worry Beach years ago. We did a record called Iron Spin Horse. We, when I went in to do uh, Don't Kill the Cat, the drummer didn't work out and we were about to record and Edward had been working at the studio. So I'm like, Hey, you want to play on the record? And he ended up doing the whole record with me. Oh, and wow. then from there, um, we went out and did that record. And we, we, um, I wanted to put a band, a new band together around don't kill the cat on some heroes. So I brought in, um, Kyle Stevens from bang tango, my guitar player, bang tango. And, um, and, um, Wayne Lothan, he he played in uh, English Beat. Um, he had played on some of the tracks on Don't Kill the Cat. So the four of us went in and did a bunch of gigs supporting Don't Kill the Cat. So that was kind of the initial 
new unsung heroes band. Um, yeah. As it broke down, basically, uh, Edward and me ended up doing um, putting this record together. He 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 co-produced it with me, uh, and we ended up using a diff- a bunch of different players, you know. But me and him did the record together, and uh, ended up using Wayne Lothian on some bass parts. Eddie Montez joined the band. Um, he played some bass tracks. Kyle Stevens was in the live band too, and he ended up playing on uh, like three tracks on the record. And then I brought in all all sorts of cats. Uh, Reed Downs was in the original Unsung Heroes from Rhino Bucket, uh, the bass player from Rhino Bucket. Uh, Yeah, yeah, he played, uh, he was in the original, uh, let's see, a Rosic Eyes version of Unsung Heroes. Great, old friend, great, great bass player. So he's an Oscar now. He, uh, he, um, he tracked some stuff and sent it on and he played on like maybe four of these tracks. Uh, who else? Let's see. There's so many people. Keith England from uh, saying uh, background in uh, the Almond Brothers. He sang some background. Uh, G- uh, George Adrian, he, he's a good friend of ours, sang some background. Angie sang a duet with me at the end called Party's Over. She's uh, in Angie and the Deserter. She's a friend. Kind of rallied all my friends. Which yeah. I call the unsung heroes, basically. Ah, okay, that makes sense. That's cool. So, yeah. was the album done at like the majority of it on your part, like at your house, or did you go into a studio? What did you have a studio in your house? Yeah, I did. So basically, the hardest thing about recording—I um, don't know if you know about recording—but like the hardest thing is getting good drum sounds. So we went to uh, a friend of ours, Adam Hamilton. Uh, right. He has yeah. this great. Uh, great facility for recording killer little's home studio but he's like really good and got his room dialed so we did all the drums there you know that's where i invested kind of some money so edward did all his drums there we took those drum tracks and then we moved them to my studio to do all the guitars uh and vocals and um the bass was done at edward's little home studio too so we kind of kind of moved it around but we got the main drum sounds in, at uh, adam's studio so now the title which is which is a song on the album i mean sometimes you can you can look at a bunch of the titles and that could be that could be the album was there a meaning why you chose that song as the album title you know i didn't write this song and go this is the album title you know uh, yeah. i you know i bounced around a bunch of different titles for the record that had nothing to do with the songs at all but something about that that just rang like clear, like it sounded a record title, Days of a Dreamer. It was like, you know, during the pandemic and writing these songs basically every day is dreaming up these songs. And uh, it just felt like a great title. And I had written down like 10 or 15 different titles and I kept going back to that. It wasn't like, oh, this is the best song on the record. I want to name it after this song. It was just a, it just seemed like a great, a great concept for the record, you know, at the time for what I was going through writing. Yeah, that's yeah, because like sometimes, sometimes a band or or an artist will like you know for Bang Tangle, like Psycho Cafe wasn't there wasn't a song called Psycho Cafe, but on Dancing on Coals there was a song, right? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, so. Psycho Cafe was basically we I don't know you know the story behind that, but we were doing a record in Austin, Texas, and we'd go to this cafe or we'd have lunch. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's that's where that came from. It and uh, we were in like San Marcos, which is this like suburb, little weird college town out, out of boston texas and and joe's like uh one day he's like man, psycho cafe that, that cafe is kind of psycho i'm like perfect 
That worked. We loved it. <laughs> that's, that's cool. Yeah. That's pretty easy, though. Like for, I mean, for, in terms of, of album titles. So, and yeah, it was unique. You know, and I thought it was a great title. And, and yeah, you know, Dancing on Coals was a song. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dancing on Coals was a song. Great tune. I mean, and I mean, Love After Death was that. Was that a track on the? That's not a track on the album. No, it wasn't. Initially, initially, we were going to call that that record "Shed." I haven't told anybody this. This is like the first time I've ever even talked. It was going to be called "Shed" because we were shedding like our old skin, basically, and yeah. becoming this kind of modern band, whatever we were going at at the time. And that was the working title for that record for years. And then, uh, you know, Jay, Joe came up with that name too. He'd love after death because we still love music after the death of it at the time. That's then, so true. Uh, now let's uh, let's dive into the material. Uh, the album starts off with Rusty Bones. Great straight ahead rock song. I mean, listening to it, I'm like, is he kind of talking about age? You know, because you know, as we get older, our bones might be a little bit rusty. What was that <laughs> your thinking behind that song? Well, if you actually listen to the song, you listen to the story. It's basically about uh, one of my buddies that was uh, dealing with a whacked out girlfriend at the time that was out of her mind. And, and, you know, feed me meds, make me sing, do the most unspeakable things. Like I'm talking about him like and his scenario back when he was with this, this, this girl. It was just crazy. Um, and, you know, Rusty Bones was this concept of like, yeah, it's getting old, you know, but we are getting old and it does work nowadays. I wrote this song years ago. It's an old Worry Beach song, actually. Really? We brought back and we did revisit it and re- we recut it. And uh, it's a cool song. It really, it opens the album nicely. Like, it's like, okay, here's a rock song for you. And then, you know, the, I mean, listening to the album, there's like, it's an up and down thing. It's not like everything's the same. It's like a bunch of like emotional stuff and just like really creates a really cool mood and vibe. Right. Right on. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Which I thought was really cool. Now, now I was going to ask about the album cover itself. Where was, I, I noticed there's, it looks like it's a billboard, but it's like a, maybe a screen playing something. Where was that taken? So that is a good story. Um, our buddy, uh, uh, Andrew Stewart, an amazing rock photographer, a uh, good friend of ours, uh, me and my wife, uh, he offered to do the record and shoot it. Um, and it was her concept. It was her idea because she felt the record. You know, my, my family kind of contributed in this record. My daughter produced the, the video and sang on it. And I told my wife, hey, you, you, you like run with the concept for the record. She wanted this kind of like shadowy, dark. She wanted the streets wet. They weren't wet. But that was taken on the Sunset Strip on a Sunday night. And the crazy thing about that was on a Sunday night, there was no one on the road because of the pandemic here yeah. in Hollywood. So Hollywood sunset strip, we went out there and, you know, I just walked the streets and then uh, uh, Andrew shot it. And we got this one shot that was kind of mystique and weird. And um, that's how that came about. Cool. It's a good, it's a great picture. And I noticed that you've uh, just on your wall there, you've got a, a photo of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I framed it because uh, I'm doing these Pirates Cove sessions, and this next one's the the uh, Days of the Dreamer one I'm doing on Saturday. So I put it up behind me here. This is where I do all my uh, my sessions. This is my studio here, basically. Yeah. Oh, it's cool. And I mean, even looking at the Bang Tangle stuff there, the uh, the the EP cover and everything. That's cool. Wall of Shame over there. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> Everything but a gold record, right? <laughs> Which should be there. Which should be there, right? <laughs> yeah, like, oh, that's the funny pictures up there, yeah. But those are like, you know, different photos, different eras of my career and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's very cool. That's because cool. of my like glory, my God room. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean as I, I mean as I was listening to the album, I mu- I must ask going kind of going back to Bang, Bang Tango. I mean Bang Tangle's sound was not quite the same as a lot of the other bands, but kind of you guys fell into the hair rock genre. I remember the first time up here in Canada on Much Music, they played the video for someone like you. And they more or less, their categorization of it was, okay, it sounds, it's very much like the cult was their kind of, that's how they defined it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys heard that before. Um, yeah, yeah, we got the cult. Well, then, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, as a band, did you guys ever feel that you guys were pigeonholed into sounding a certain way? I mean, some of this material wouldn't have, you know, translated back then, right? Uh, Like Bang Tango, I mean, you know, we were always, like, you know, caught in a a pickle with, like, being classified. They always got us wrong. Yeah. Some people thought of us as a Sunset Strip, you know, hair metal, glam rocker, blah, blah, blah. And then other people, you know, we we were kind of in between the alternative movement at the time and and you know just the old school rock movement, you know, with GNR coming about and some of those bands that were just real stripped down rock street rock, you know, and yeah. you know, but then we we you know we presented ourselves, you know, with this kind of Euro style at the time, you know, with this cover of the Psycho Cafe. So it was always mixed up. Nobody really got us right. I mean, some people did, but, you know, then we had the funky thing about us and, you know, our, our sound was nothing like the Sunset Strip bands at the time, really. But, you know, the alternative bands, like, you know, we wanted to go out on the road with like Jane's Addiction and the Chili Peppers. And they were just like, nah, you guys, you guys are a glam band from Sunset Strip, you know. And so, And then those bands just thought we were weird, like bands like, you know, the Sunset Strip. And so we were just really, you know, locked in a... Yeah, you kind of what I'm with with my solo stuff, with my own music. Like, it's the same thing. Like, the Americana movement of my music and the sound I have, you know, those guys are just like, no, you're from, you're from an 80s band, you know? But my music is nothing like that anymore. But, so here I am again, stuck in this weird position. Yeah, I know. And you know what? I've had this conversation on my show before about certain artists that were, that have been pigeonholed into the 80s. Like, it's like some guys, like uh, Tim Skull, for instance, from Shopping oh, yeah. Messiah, like he was <laughs> able to transition into, you know, playing in Marilyn Manson because, I don't know, was it because Shotgun Messiah never became a famous band? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's such a, a weird thing. And Butch Walker, the same thing. Like, Well, Butch Walker, I get compared to a lot because he came out of South Gang and he was, and then he went Americana, like, completely. Yeah. Like, and I get a lot of... A lot of comparison to him because I've really dove into the singer-songwriter trip, but I've been doing it for 25 years. It's not like, you know, I, I just decided to be like an Americana singer-songwriter guy and pick up an acoustic and write songs. It's, I've been doing it for years and years. You know, I put out, you know, nine records with this style and, and people are still trying to like lump me into that kind of. Well, you're Mark Knight from Bang Tango. We want some shredding guitar, man. You know, where's your Jacksons and your orange guitars? And, you know, so it's, it's, you know, 
thank God people are coming around, especially with this new record in the last week or so. People are like, whoa, this guy's like, you know, they've they've kind of, the fans have grown up too, you know? So yeah. they've converted into like different styles of music or different tastes. It's not like I'm not rocking anymore, you know? I still keep that in there, but it, it's it's kind of been tricky. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's that's exactly what it is for me because I know 30 years ago, I probably wouldn't have listened to that. But now here I am 30 years later and I totally dig it, right? There you go. See. You know what I mean? And I, probably, and I love Butch Walker, the same thing. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. It's, I, I, I hate to see people get pigeonholed into something because of the fact that, oh, you used to be in this band, you know? But hey, I'm 56 years old, man. It's like, I've been, you know, I've been doing this for years on my own and you know, not afraid to rock it out. Like for rusty bones, for example, I mean, people are, some people are comparing this new record to like, you know, another bang tango record that wasn't made yet. You know, I mean, I've heard that a couple of times recently and it's like, it doesn't sound anything like bang tango to me, but just because a couple of the guys played on it doesn't mean uh, it, it, it's anything close to sounding like bang tango, except maybe the riffs and some of the uniqueness of the, um, the songwriting because I wrote a lot of the stuff in that band, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, now Wise Choice is kind of a slow-moving type of song. Is that is that Hammond organ on that song in the kind of in the beginning there? Yeah, the B three. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Love the B three. Awesome. Yeah, always loved it. Even since the nineties, right? Um, and it's kind of condescending in spots. Keep your mouth shut. It's a wise choice, <laughs> which I thought was cool. <laughs> right. So that was basically like, you know, pointing out examples of making the right choice, you know, in life. Because my mom used to always tell me, yeah, you got to make the right choice. Make the right choice. It's your choice. Yeah. You can screw up and go down the wrong road. And, and But it, you made that choice. My mom would always tell me that. So I kind of took the concept of making the right choice in life with anything and used different examples like um, – you know, the ink in the skin is there to the end, get maybe the wrong tattoo for somebody or um, there's a million different examples throughout that song. You know, like you said, keep your mouth shut, you know. Um, so th that was the concept behind that song. And it kind of just rattled out and came together. And when I say I don't like it at all, I'm basically saying, uh, you know, I don't like some of the choices people I know in my life have made, maybe, you know. Yeah. You know, that's cool. I I mean, I, mu I must also know when I listen to a track like Open Wounds, your sound is, it's it's more or less very much you. I don't hear somebody else, like, I don't make a lot of comparisons in your music, which I think is great, especially in your vocal delivery. That's the best compliment you could get, right? Being original. Yeah. A lot of people have been saying that on this one. They're like, I can't compare you. It's just, it's just the best MK record I've ever heard. That's what people are saying right now. They're like, yeah. you just have a, you just have a trip, you know, like when I hear your voice, I know it's you. It's nobody else. So I have tons of influences and I think I'm ripping off a lot of people, but when I do it my way, nobody, nobody thinks that they're just like, yeah, it sounds like Tom Petty. I get that a lot, but but it doesn't really sound like Tom Petty, you know? It's just maybe his feel or something, you know? Yeah, I mean, it could be in a phrasing or a feel or, you know, like right. kind of that type of thing. Now, I mean, you've been singing for a long time. So when you first started doing it, was was it weird for you to start to be singing, like being the lead singer and playing guitar? Or was it just kind of... I mean, I was just telling somebody uh, yesterday on a podcast I did, and <clears throat> basically, like, I had no intention to be a lead singer. I mean... I was a guitar player in Bang Tango, right? And 
Then I got hip to like singer songwriters and I, I started really loving it and writing lyrics and I started getting the lyrics and then I started writing melodies. Then I ended up writing like a hundred songs, trying to get a couple good ones. And then I brought in singers to sing those. Like we demo them and I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Just cause you're a good singer. I don't even want to be a singer. And uh, they'd always be like, well, man, we can't really deliver it the way you're, you're saying it. Maybe you should just sing it. So I started singing and it was just like, horrendous i didn't like i just it was scary i didn't want to do it uh you know i had to front the band you know coming out of bang tango with the great front man joe you know i was just like yeah i don't want to be that you know at the time like nirvana was happening i was looking at kurt cobain well here's a guy that can get up there and just like you know yeah. grunge out the chords and be a front man i'm like maybe i'll you know that that whole like seattle movement was kind of happening when i started singing so i went with that and, uh, and then i started you know, honing it and getting better at it. And then eventually picked up the electric again and put an electric band together and started fronting a band. And that was like horrifying. It was scary. I kind of had to do this. I'd over sing. I'd be dizzy because I'd sing too hard. And then uh, eventually years and years and years, I just kept getting better and better at it. And I'd get beat up a lot about it. Like you should get a singer. And I had different managers try to break different bands I was in. Uh, always would tell me, yeah, I mean, you just got to get a singer that sounds like Bon Scott or this or that. You, you're going to be huge again. I'm like, eh. I eventually, like, decided I was going to be the front man and be the singer and uh, continue to work at it years and years and years and keep putting out records. And then I got my confidence as a front man. I did enough shows. I toured a lot and played so many gigs that it was natural. It's just, I'm, you know, I got the gift to, to, uh, to rattle off like you know banter in between songs, I, I became like a front man, or yes, you know, and uh, and that's kind of where it ended up. I just got, got better at it because I didn't give it up, and I decided that's what I'm going to do. I don't care what anybody says, you know. I don't care if if you know, I'm not like big rock star anymore. I'm just going to do what I want to do and uh, stuck to it. Oh, that's cool. Now, um, judge me. That's a great five. <laughs> and here's, and I said there wasn't a lot of comparisons, but there was almost like a Springsteen kind of feel, but it doesn't sound, you know, it doesn't sound like Springsteen. It kind of, that kind of lyrical thing. Okay. Give me your approach on that one. Jeez, Springsteen. I never got that one out of that song. <laughs> so that, I mean, everybody that I talk to, I mean, I've talked to a bunch of people since I put this out last week. Yeah. Everybody has different views on these songs. Like they think they're influenced by different things. It's amazing. Never Springsteen though, but I, Somebody called it like social distortion. Oh, oh really? Social D song. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I never, never thought of that, but I could see it. So basically, that song was basically uh, about like some real life experiences. You know, uh, you know, going to the bar, being pissed off, and coming home, locking the door before the cops arrest me, and I live those. Those are real life stories. I mean, I you know I went through some weird, crazy stuff. I went through a divorce and. Uh, got a new girlfriend and we ended up getting married and uh, there were some really dark times. Um, and I kind of used those scenarios in the lyric musically real stones influenced that one. I opened G tuning. Uh, I just really wanted to go after a real old school rock kind of vibe. It ended up coming off a little bit more edgier and like kind of rocking more than I like demoed it as. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the story behind that one. That's cool. I mean, it, another man's woman is interesting. I like this one a lot. I mean, it's the unwritten, <laughs> it's the unwritten rule, right? Don't mess with another man's woman. Mm -hmm. um, 
was is that kind of a metaphoric thing or exactly exactly as it seems it's exactly as it seems and it's basically about uh a couple of a couple that were together that broke out friends of mine really good friends of mine went through this kind of this kind of real life story what i'm writing about and i just like basically you know narrated their story and you know said don't mess with another man's woman i mean those are straight up uh pretty pretty honest lyrics um, they totally are angry yeah and i had a really cool groove on that one it, it um ended up rocking a little harder than originally which was cool because we ended up using like fuzz guitars and kind of z it's kind of got a zz top vibe about it really straightforward rocker and i'm um, super happy with the way that one came out i really i like that song a lot actually Ooh, I really awesome. dig that song right on um, I mean, the, t- the title drew me in because I was like, oh, I have a lot of respect just for that title in general because, you know, there's so much truth to that, right? So I thought Yeah, I can relate cool. to a lot of people probably just stay away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Lost on the Road, very cool as well. Love that slide in the intro. Is that you on slide? Yeah, yeah. Cool. I did, all the, I did like 85% of the guitars on the whole record. Um, I mean, probably more, maybe like 90% of them. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's yeah, that song came out really cool too. I'm really happy with that one. Um at one point what we weren't sure if it was even gonna make the record, but I was like always fought for it. Um you know, kind of a doorsy like moody vibe song, you know, uh yeah, blues based kind of, but uh basically about um a lot of crazy dreams I was having at the time, you know, it's like a reflection on like a dream dream lyric oh, that's cool that's cool i wouldn't I, I didn't anticipate you saying that on that song but that's cool well yeah lost on the road i mean basically i was having these crazy dreams about touring and being on the road because i've been locked down and even before that not being you know i did so many years of touring in bang tango and, and not doing that for so many years kept having these reoccurring like dreams about being on the road and being lost on the road never making it up really weird so I figured, hey, write a song about it. That's how that one came up. Uh, yeah, and I and actually come to think of it, I remember your post. I think it was maybe it was before the Super Bowl started about the pregame show. You had posted about uh, wanting to get back to playing live music after seeing Joan Jett and Miley Cyrus. Yeah, yeah, really, like really hit a really hit a nerve. I was watching that. God, jeez, why am I like emotional about this? Because it was so cool. You're out there rocking, you know, it's like, damn, that's what I do. That's what I've done my whole life. And I haven't done it in, you know, a year or so. It was just, just kind of like, I was like, man, I miss that. I was, I mean, I have to be honest. I was, I kind of, I kind of <laughs> wished that they had done the halftime show, to be honest with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Who wouldn't? That, they were great. Don't Jed and her and, what, and what's the one, Billy Idol got Billy out Idol. there. And no, Miley killed it. I mean, she just rocks. It's like she should have been the halftime show. I agree. You know, nothing against the weekend. I mean, you know, I get it. It's good stuff. The guy's talented, you know. Um, but it was just so like, you know, contrived and put together with all this. You know, yeah, and that's that's the hard <laughs> Yeah, like, that's the hard part about it. It was funny because we were watching the halftime show and myself and my buddy were like, okay, can we just, can we turn the sound off and turn the stereo on? But then <laughs> my daughter and her mom was there and they're like, well, we want to watch this. And we're like, oh, okay. 
<laughs> All right. I mean, you know, I guess the weekends, like, so, you know, it's like a, a pop sensation right now. I, I'm not, you know, like trying to age age myself or anything. I mean, my daughters mentioned the weekend for years. I knew who he, who he was or what he was, and but I was just kind of like, yeah, it's okay, it's good. I mean, guy can sing, definitely can sing. I mean, definitely sing. Yeah, yeah. But I was just kind of like, I don't know. It's you didn't you didn't have the moves of Mick Jagger, <laughs> yeah, or, exactly. or, or Prince or any of those like those greats. Like I, I just was kind of just like. And people are just like, who is this guy? I've never even heard of him. But, you know, yeah, it, I, no no disrespect to the guy. He's definitely talented, you know. Yeah, and he's Canadian, too, apparently. Yeah, I know he's Canadian. I was going to say that to you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I, didn't know who, I didn't know who he was. I hate him. But, but I, don't listen, I, don't, I don't listen to a lot of radio or watch a lot of video or anything like that. Yeah, so that's a lot of stuff, man. He's... He's, 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 you know, he's hitting now, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. And apparently he sunk a ton of his own money into that. So did he really, I yeah. don't know the story. I don't know the story really, but yeah. Yeah. Which, which is cool. But anyways. like Bruno Mars, man, that guy can dance his ass oh, off. You know? That guy's so like good. a performer, right? Yeah. And he can sing great. But like, I, I get that. Like, okay. Bruno yeah. Mars is like a, you know, he's like a modern day James Brown or something. So I got that, but th- this weekend guy, I was like, well, it was, I don't get it. Yeah. It was <laughs> different. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't my favorite halftime show. So <laughs> I would say that. We'll leave it at that. I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll be diplomatic about it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. But, no, exactly. So the party's over. Definitely not a party because apparently it's over. Um, who's singing on that track with you? Is that, your no, no, this uh, it, it's a good friend of ours. Her name's Angie, and she's in a band called Angie and the Deserters. Um, she uh, she's an old friend of all of ours, the Bang Tango, and um, some of the guys in Neon Tongue Heroes. And and uh, basically, we had her over to. I was I wanted to have her, you know, sing sing some backgrounds with me, and she offered to do it, which was super cool. She came by the studio, and you know, we just. We just said, hey, Angie, why don't you sing the song through and we'll like maybe like slice together a duet because it's kind of cool because the story kind of leads in two different person personalities, the the guy and the girl. So she did um, went home, worked on it some more, came back and we did another version of it. And uh, that's what we came up with. Well, I like that one, too. I like that. You guys sing well. I mean, it sounds good together. You guys did, did a really good job on that one. Thank you. Yeah, I thought it was great. We 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 have the same influences. A lot of the Americana stuff and and you know singer songwriter stuff. We've always talked about doing something together. And hey, we we got to do it. You know. So yeah. she, she's got a great band. Her her band's um, Angie and the Deserters. Angie and the Deserters. Um, yeah, she's had some success, and she's uh she's been she's an old friend of all of ours. Yeah. Cool. Um, Scarlett, my daughter, sang on Open, open Wounds. The the girl in the background. Oh, okay, cool. That's Scarlett, Scarlett Ray Knight, my daughter. She's 19. She's got her own career going. She's I have right. seen you post stuff about that. Yes. That's yeah, that's her singing with me on Open Wounds. And she directed the video for uh, Wife's Choice as well. Wow, she's very talented. <laughs> she is. Yeah, she, she's good. That's awesome. Now, I mean, you spoke of kind of the, your, you know, um, the Americana thing. And, like, what, what do you kind of draw from? draw from now like your influence what do you listen to now for the most part i mean i listen to a lot of uh 
like I'm all over the place, but normally like kind of alternative, like kind of country artists, like people like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of locked into like uh, the drive-by truckers guys, you know, Jason Isbell and, and Mike Cooley and uh, Patterson Hood. They're all great on their own. Um, I listen to Wilco. I listen to, uh, you know, what else? I mean, all over the place. I listen to like, even like some of the British kind of pop stuff. Like I like Noel Gallagher. I like the, the Gallagher brothers. I like uh, the Verve. I like uh, Richard Ashcroft from the Verve. I like his yep. solo stuff a lot. Um, so I'm all over the place. I mean, I'm just a music lover. So, you know, and then I listen to, you know, some, some heavy stuff. I like the super suckers. I don't know if you know them. They're like a really great rock and roll, like just stripped down, like, Oh, cool. The real deal. You know, I'll, I'll listen to bands like that and then all the classic rock, of course, you know, but, you know. Yeah. I've listened to that for so many years. But, yeah. Uh, now, now, I mean, when back in the Bang Tango days, like when you guys first started, what were you influenced by guitar wise, like as a player? Uh, Jimmy Page, probably one of my number ones. Like, you know, I always liked his orchestration. I, I If you listen to the new, like the, Days of a Dream, there's a lot of uh, guitar orchestration and different voices going on. Love Those that. are all Jimmy Page influenced because I just layered them and did higher parts and uh, big Jimmy Page fan. I, you know, loved Aerosmith, you know, the rawness of Aerosmith, you know, uh, great band. Um, so many other bands, but, you know, uh, what else? Back in those days, guitar playing, you know, Michael Shanker from UFO. Yeah. Loved his melodic sense. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, He's an amazing grew, player. Grew up just like worshiping him. Um, of course, Van Halen, you know, sorry, this year he, well, he passed away, which I kind of revisited a lot of his old stuff. I didn't realize how much of an influence he was to me until I went back and after he died, I was like, oh, man, the guy's just a genius. Uh, you know, I like Randy Rhodes. I liked, uh, you know, then I got into like, you know, guys like Stevie Ray Vaughan. I got really into the blues, the blues electrified. I love Dwayne Amon, uh, the Amon brothers, Dickie Betts, um, Warren Haynes from Government Mule. Um, and then I like guys like John Fashani from Red Hot Chili Peppers. He came back. He's just great. So many guitar players. Um, so, yeah, those are kind of some of them that I'm influenced by. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Um, I mean, I loved the guitar sound on Psycho Cafe. I loved it. I just thought it was like it was so in your face. It was just so. Especially, I mean, especially the first time I heard someone like you, I was like, "Wow, man, that's just it's so good." <laughs> cool. Yeah, that that uh, you're really going after that. I spent a day trying to get that guitar sound, especially the intro. You know, just getting that kind of uh, certain certain effects with the delays set right to get that, that you know that's kind of kind of chasing kind of a little bit of a steve stevens kind of thing there billy idol live on that uh kind of did a lot of that back then i like george lynch back then a lot uh yeah you know that's kind of where that was at that's cool now now of course the bang tango reunion of last year i see i see you're selling um the guitar picks for the low, low price of $13 that say Bang Tango 2020. <laughs> the low, low price. Yeah. On your, on My wife your, says that's too much money. Yeah, well, I don't know, man. I, I would probably pay it. <laughs> but, People like want 20 bucks, 30 bucks for their signed picks or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, so 
will that still happen after COVID is hopefully? Uh, we have plans to do more stuff. Yeah, definitely. We're, we're, we're just kind of waiting on this to kind of smooth out, you know, um, so we can get back and um, do some stuff. Um, you know, we came out and put it together um, and did the whiskey and we sold out in Hollywood here, which was really great. Everybody showed up. It was killer sold out show band played great. We worked really hard to get it together. And then, you know, we got clipped by COVID. So, um, you know, people were pressing us to write a new record, but, you know, I was in the process of doing days of a dreamer and the guys, a couple of the guys were out of state and it was just kind of like, well, just didn't, it just didn't seem like the right time. I'm not saying we're not going to ever write again, but, um, you know, hopefully things work out and we get, we get some bookings coming up once this clears, but we we're definitely still intact. You know, original yeah, guy. Cool. yeah. I mean, you guys were slated to play on three last year. They got canceled, right? Were you yeah. There? No, yeah. it's just, I mean, I went the year before I canceled three times. Yeah. We got moved three times. So that, that was kind of going to be our, our next, um, we were super excited about doing that. And, you know, that fell through one time, two times and like three times, I think. Yeah. Have you ever been to it? No. Oh, no, I played, I played there. Yeah. Uh, we were on tour with Rat and Ellie Guns in 91. And oh, okay. Tango played that played that venue, that, that venue. Outdoor place. But I've never been to the M3, though. Looks yeah, super it's, cool. It was super, it's super cool. Were you telling me you kept, like, buying your tickets and canceling them? Did you tell me that? No, I don't think oh, no, so. No, no, no. Somebody else goes, I bought tickets, but I'm not sure I'm going to return them. Uh, somebody in Canada, I thought it was you. It was, it was somebody else. No, because because they closed off our border, so we didn't know when it was going to open, right? Yeah. I had booked the time off of work for the Labor Day weekend. The second, I think that was the second one that they canceled, and I was hoping yeah. to go to that, but I didn't I didn't commit to it. So, <laughs> Well, let's hope it happens. We're, uh, we're hoping it comes around again. Um, yeah, that's where that's at with Bang Tango, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it it was a really good weekend. I will say that. So, I've heard nothing but great stuff. I heard the people are just amazing that run it. Everybody's so sweet, and I've just heard so many great things about it. We were so excited about doing it three times. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, you know, I, you know, my uh, my hope is we get to do it. I can't wait. You know, I think it will happen eventually. Well, I mean, I saw I had to, in 2019, Joe was there with his version of Bang Tango. And uh, it was weird because he only had one guitar player, I believe, at that show. So I was like, it was it was good. It was it was different. But I was super I was super excited for the original lineup. So. Um, well, hopefully we can make that happen. <laughs> now, I mean, what was it like you guys getting, I mean, you've been, you've been playing with Kyle and, and whatnot, but getting back the five of you guys playing together again, what did the, how did that feel? Wow. It was really cool. We went into the studio and we all just kind of like just played and it was just this weird, like kind of a spooky, weird family vibe where it's like you're going back to like Thanksgiving dinner with your family you haven't been with in 20 years and it just feels normal. It just felt like natural. We all just went back to our, back to our role. And um, it was like a kind of a really cool, warm feeling, like a family, you know, brotherhood kind of thing. Uh, so initially, you know, that was great. And we were all just like, woo! back together again we were all like chatting every day in the in the band you know text group 
everybody was all buzzing off of it, you know. Um, and then we had to get serious and get it all together. And then it became like all these logistics things and getting everybody um, kind of, you know, on the same page with merch and the new logo and yeah, all this, you know, the business thing was just like, and I kind of got, I got kind of thrown into being the guy that would kind of put a lot of this together. So it, uh, you know, it was a lot of work. It's a hell of a lot of work, you know, just to, just to orchestrate it all and just to get like the booking agent and get the, the right amount of money for this and the merch and the, and the sound man and the lighting guy. And the, you know, we had to do this whole production to do this whiskey show on top of like booking rehearsals and getting those, you know, everybody together out here in LA. And so it, it was a lot of work. Um, but the reward was we played a great show. I thought, you know, for, yeah. for not playing together in not that many years. And we went out and we, we put together our best like kind of power set of, you know, over 90 minutes of music, I think. And, uh, you know, brave word, brave, brave, brave word, brave, or no, blabbermouth put the whole, entire show up on youtube and on their page so oh i haven't seen that i'm gonna have to check if you ever want to see the whole show uh blabbermouth search bang tango and they okay, actually did a really cool version of like every song and they kind of edited out all the, the in-between stuff so it's just oh. it's just a good like video camera angle whoever did it like um one of the fans they must have grabs off youtube that actually got the whole band it wasn't like stage left one guy blasting loud it was a good it was kind of a good version of uh live performance cool so, you have to check that yeah that is awesome wow yeah so it was great and you know it was so cool to soak everybody out all the fans were just like it was like amazing it was a great feeling you know i had like 20 family members like drive from san diego and they were you know just it was like this huge reunion of all our family members and all our fans and people flying in and um so it was it was a really neat, cool feeling, you know. Great reunion. That's cool. Did now you must have had to go back and relearn a lot of stuff. You know it. <laughs> Forgot it already. I have to go relearn it again and when we play again. Oh yeah, I had to woodshed all that stuff all over again. It was yeah, you know, the guitars were different, the sound was different. I play different now, like all the yeah. that shredding stuff. I wasn't I haven't done that stuff. And at first I'm like, what the hell was I doing back then? Some of it I couldn't even figure out. And then eventually it just kind of like comes to you. All of a sudden next thing you start channeling yourself again and being like, oh, this is what I did. So, um, yeah, I had to work at that. And I, I'm going to have to work at it again because I haven't done it. I haven't done it in a year. Because since the, since the, you know, the COVID, I just worked yeah. on my new record. So, you know, I haven't gone back and played Bang Tango for the last year. <laughs> you know, I've been re recording a new record, so that's going to be some work, but it'll come back. Oh, no, that's cool. I, I mean, I was kind of curious about that. I mean, even your guitar sound, it was like, you probably had to go, like, how do I tone that back in? Like, I've got to... Oh, yeah, to beef it up. I had to break out the Marshalls, break out the stereo amps, try to, you know, get that sound back and find it where, it's, you know, it's close enough and modern a little bit a little bit different you know i have used different pedals and different things but yeah um you know i spent you know me and kyle stevens we spent some time just getting our sounds back together again and uh we had fun it was like yeah, a big project for us we're like what do you got man try this let's try that i think this will work for you you know we kind of helped each other out and all of a sudden you know we got those monster guitar sounds back you know and 
uh, now I know how to do it. So <laughs> when we go back and play again, I'll, I'll be ready. That's but, good. Uh, yeah, and fun. you used that one guitar that you showed on Facebook. Is that from back then? That I don't even know what. Is that a Jackson? The bomber one? The Bomber yeah. one? Yeah, that was made for me by Jackson <clears throat> um, on the Psycho Cafe like era tour. But I didn't use that one when we played the reunion. My guitar, the main bang tango guitar is a someone like you, bright orange. Right. Uh, the orange that. one. So yeah. that one, uh, you know, I, I play like mainly like Les Pauls nowadays and stuff and different, not so many tremolo like whammy bar guitars. But I got that Jackson. I sent it to my guitar tech. He dialed it and used it on someone like you just because. Everyone's like, you gotta play that guitar. That's a someone like you guitar. So I broke it out, and the thing's great. I love it. So uh, that's the only one from from the old kind of guitars I used to use. I played at the reunion. That's cool. I mean, by the by, the last album, were you still using uh, tremolo and whatnot, or had you like kind the last, of last like what Love After Death? Yeah, the last Bang Tango record. Yeah. Uh, I was using that the bomber one that you oh. were talking about. Uh, on like songs like New Generation and some of those songs. Um, and then I used a couple different Les Pauls I started using with drop tuning. We Some of those songs are tuned down whole step, like they're tuned to like D. Wow. So no tremolo on those. And then I started getting away from that whole like, you know, whammy bar trip, you know, that I did on the early records. Um, and then I just became like a Americana blues guy. <laughs> you know, yeah. well, yeah, no. I play tellies and I play like, you know, a lot of tellies, a lot of, uh, um, you know, more cleaned up sounding guitars, smaller amps and stuff, whole different trip. Yeah. Oh, big time, I would assume. And that, that's kind of why I asked, because, I mean, the band was kind of changing a bit. It was a different sound. It was a little bit different sound. And, you know, that's that's kind of what I was kind of alluding to was just the fact that possibly you were you were evolving as a guitar player by that point too, right? Absolutely. Like if you listen to songs off Love After Death, like uh, going to make you feel like, I don't know if you, put, you know the record that well, but there's, I started like trans going through this whole different kind of like old school Stones vibe, that kind of guitar vibe and everything. Um, and that kind of led into what I did with Worry Bees, my first band outside of Bang Tangle. And that's, that's just where I was going. I was tired of like, you know, super over the top edgy shred stuff you know mainly because nobody even heard what i <laughs> at one point in bang tango and we weren't even listening to each other we were just going up there just going through the motions and we were on this tour for love after death um it was like we went out for two weeks to support it in europe because it didn't get it released in the states and i was like pretty much over the band you know and so I tried it a test. I tried, I played a guitar solo completely out of key just to see if anybody in the band even noticed. And like, just nobody said one thing. That's when I'm like, nobody's even listening to each other. Like, you guys just don't, you don't even hear what I'm playing. I played literally completely out of key, like a step off, just to, just to see if any of the guys in the band are even listening to what the other guy's playing. That's when I knew, eh, this is just not for me anymore. I want to play real oh, music. <laughs> that's disappointing. I mean, you must have been disappointed, though. I mean, this is your, you know. They were just, like, out of their minds, you know. It just wasn't the same anymore. Nobody cared. They were just like, out to, like, show off. I don't know what it was. It was just falling apart, you know. And yeah. Kyle Stevens had already checked out a year before. Yeah. But 
I mean, literally, I just played out, out of keys to see if anybody in the band would said, what the hell are you playing? That's like terrible. Nobody said a word. It was just like, yeah, okay. That's, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. You know. You're not in a band anymore. Everybody's out for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> that is nuts. I mean, yeah. now, I mean, on that album, on Love After Death, MCA let you guys, you guys recorded that and MCA fronted it, right? They, they, oh yeah, we were signed to MCA. I mean, they, yeah. They, 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 we, How, and then they just said, "You guys are out of your deal. Here's the album. You can take it and do what you want with Basically, it." Like that's pretty, pretty like a good breakdown of it. I mean, that's like the the straightforward version. I mean, we did like we spent like two million dollars on that record. We went all over the states and recorded it and everywhere. Like we went up to San Francisco. We were like all over the place. Um, spent two years, I think two years recording it maybe. And then we went in to talk, our manager went in to talk marketing for it. And they're like, they pulled him in had a meeting with him and said, we're going to, we're going to let you let the band go. You can take the label and shop or take the record and shop it. And our manager came back and said, there's shelf in the record. So we were, what the hell? I mean, we were devastated. We were about ready to like go on tour for a year. We were all fired up. It was like the, best record we thought we made we thought we were just going to come out and, and just destroy and next thing you know we don't have a record deal <laughs> like overnight i was just like what it was it was one of the weirdest times in my life because i was just so into i was on i was literally the prime like into my my best like period i was playing great i had everything together it was just like gonna be the one and clip so then we spent two years trying to get another deal and get picked up in um in the states and we never really got it but music for nation put it out in europe and yeah and then everybody had kind of gone on their own trips you know yeah yeah that's who i mean this is i had a hard time finding this this took me a long time to get where'd you get it from ebay yeah like probably 15 years ago (laughs) 15 years probably ago i i went i went through this phase where i would like Anything that came out in the late eighties, early nineties, I would I would try to find it on eBay. <laughs> and uh and I did. I mean I have I actually I found this in a uh a used record shop in the States. Like I was so happy when I found that. Wow, that's the first thing we ever did. Yeah. Yeah. Which was but, uh, yeah, Love After Death, it's it's on YouTube. I mean you can get it on YouTube and listen to it like I keep telling people because they're like, where could I get that? Go on YouTube. Everything's there. You yeah, get my whole record for free right now if you want to listen to it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't remember. I think I paid a good dollar for this. I'm sure. Yeah. Like, that's a I, only, I only have like, I have two of them. One is that one and the, the other one's a Japanese version, which they just, whoever came up with this weird artwork, we never even signed off on it but it's a japanese version of it yeah it's weird it's got like green and it's really weird art and then that one which is like what burgundy with the logo like what the hell is this yeah it doesn't really it's yeah i don't even know who even did it we just like go here here's your record but anyways yeah i have like i have that one i have only one of those so they're rare yeah yeah i was pretty happy when i found it to be honest with you (laughs) yeah because I knew it was rare, right? It's not like it's not like something that you could go. It wasn't available in Canada. Wasn't available in the states. So yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, right on. Well, Mark, I want to thank you so much, man. 
Thanks so much. Keep spreading the word. Help me out. I appreciate you. I will, right. of course. Okay. Take, care. Take it easy. Peace. Have a good night. All, All right. right. You too. Coming soon.